Jesus is preaching his sermon on the plain when he says, But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you, do the, if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend credit to those, if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The tough call. When you hear a title like that, you either think about a sports game where a referee had to make a tough call, or maybe your mind turns to instances when you were implored to do what was right, even when it was the more difficult thing to do. Much of parenting centers on this. We work to teach and encourage our children to do what is right, even in the face of difficult circumstances, rather than just let them do what is easy, self-serving, and most convenient even when we as adults sometimes let ourselves off the hook in that way. Leadership is a tough call. Leaders are willing to do what is best and right despite the circumstances. But sometimes we just look for the easy way. We just look for the quick resolution. We just look for what we need. We look to make sure we can keep the score close to even. But that's not the only way we consider a tough call. Because there's always that call that Jesus places upon us. A call that's defined in a different way. A call that is a way of being, not a way of making a simple decision. And Jesus' tough call is one that causes us to push against our instincts to do what is deeply and truly right with who we are all the time. 
and to do what is not just right, but what is Christian. Now, in contrast to that, I, I think, I see, I wonder, it feels like we have a tendency to dev- define ourselves around uh, retribution, which is a, a tough word, but, but think about it. An eye for an eye, a pound for a pound. These things make logical sense, and much in our world is arranged this way. You make a mistake, you pay for it. This is how things work all the time in our lives and in our world. Love is left outside that equation. And everything sort of works if that's the case, except when it doesn't work. Recently, Cam and I were driving somewhere and we listened to a podcast and heard the story of a man named Joe Prudente a grandfather who had retired from Long Island to sunny Florida, who moved into the Bayonet Points subdivision outside Tampa, and when he moved in, immediately spent some $2,000 resodding his yard. Over time, even with care, the invasive weed species of Florida came back in. Brown spots began to occur. And so Mr. Prudente had to resod his yard again. And again. And again. Three times. He resodded his yard. Despite his weed and seed, his fertilizer, his care, he couldn't keep his lawn from turning brown. And eventually, as a retired guy on a fixed income... He couldn't afford to resod his yard anymore. Then came the homeowners association. And the town ordinances, not just the homeowners association, but the town ordinance which demanded a well-kept yard and Mr. Prudente got letters informing him that if he did not resod his yard, he would be arrested. He could not afford to resod his yard again. And so on a Tuesday, wearing his Grandpa Gone Wild t-shirt, he walked up to the police station and turned himself in because if the cruiser had shown up at his house to arrest him, what would the neighbors have thought? Joe spent a little bit of time in the city jail until the local news media got hold of the story, shared it through the paper, and the following weekend, his neighbors, at their own time and their own expense, came, ripped up his yard, and re-sodded it for him. Joe was then released from jail. Look, this is a silly story, but it's a true one. I didn't make it up. And it illustrates a framework of retribution under which we just operate and assume. An eye for an eye. You don't take care of your lawn, we're going to take you to jail. So the city says. It illuminates how our dominant framework is set up around retribution. If you commit an offense, there is a fine to pay. And this is how the world tends to work. 
But does it always have to? Is it how you and I should work? And don't we remember, because don't we remember that wise saying, an eye for an eye leaves everyone blind? Oh yes, even I've gotten letters from our city about ways that I have fallen out of the ordinance. And I was fortunate that I could get them fixed. But we may think that stories like, like Joe's are, are limited to governmental bureaucrats who make oppressive laws. But the reality is that the story from the gospel encourages us. It, it tells us something different about ourselves, I think. I think it tells us that Jesus is, is, is reminding us that we're not going to automatically get it. Jesus wouldn't have told us this if we automatically got it. Jesus told us this because we don't get it. Because we default back to an eye for an eye. And so Jesus is reminding us that we need to reshape our way of thinking and operating and being. We need to be the instruments of peace who choose not to hate, not to point fingers, not to look down on others, not to be dismissive of someone who thinks or sees or experiences the world differently from us. We have to love. When we meet Jesus, and he's offering this sermon, he's preaching in Luke, in what Luke calls the Sermon on the Plain. It's, it's the same thing as the Sermon on the Mount, and it leads us to believe that, that maybe these things that Jesus was saying were things that he was saying a lot. It was his, his, his back pocket sermon, so to speak. The one he preached when he got to a new place. Hey, I'm here to tell you, you have heard it said, but I say, so it goes. Jesus is, is preaching this story to, to all of the people, to all of the different people and all of the places he goes to seriously teach the message, the important message, because this message of love, of loving even and especially our enemies, is the message that has the power to change and bless the world if we're brave enough to enact it. And he goes on to sort of describe love in terms of lending and, and borrowing and giving and, and taking. But they all are illustrations of that simple truth. To love your enemies, to, to, to love even those who hate you, to try to bless even those who curse you, to, to pray for those who abuse you. And if we see a call as Jesus calling us into a way of being, this is, without a doubt, a tough call, isn't it? It is tough to love our enemies. So most of us just don't do it. We know we're supposed to, but we'll, we just take a pass. We avoid our enemies so that we avoid confrontation because... Well, if we see our enemy, we're going to have to deal with a confrontation. We stay away so that we don't encounter our enemies. And if we do, we squirm, wonder if we should fight back. We, 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 we gird our loins, so to speak. 
And in this way, we are formed by a framework of retribution, not a framework of love. And Jesus still calls us to love. We love our enemies because everyone loves their family and friends. It's easy to love those who will love us back. It's simple to forgive and lend favor and offer benefit, the benefit of the doubt to anyone who would do the same for us. And in that way, it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I love you because you love me. But the call of the gospel is to be an instrument of love and peace in the face of those who you may disagree with, who may be different than you, who you may think hates you or who you see as your enemy. Your big enemies, your small enemies, your known enemies, and your imagined enemies. Now you may think you're a peaceful person. I do. You may consider you're blind to hate and immune to enemies. But, but the reality is we all have biases. We all see those in the world who we'd rather not deal with. But these are the ones who we are most called to love. And if we think that that's not the case, let's think back to Joe and his lawn. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but who thought he was treated unfairly? Right? Who sympathized with a retired man on a fixed income whose oppressive town and homeowners association was imposing something on him? And then who among us has wondered, boy, I sure wish the city would do something about that person who's breaking that ordinance. We're full of contradictions. We're, 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 we're full of, of confusion and and. and and sometimes we love our Sydney ordinances and wish they would be imposed on someone who really needs them imposed on them. Right? And to live with this contrast happening within us is human. But as humans, we're also called to follow Jesus. Jesus pushes us to look within and see the bundle of contrast that we are. To, to recognize that we are too full of contradictions. We are too likely to fall victim of, of fear and think the worst in one another. And in this very way, we continue to revert back to being shaped by a framework of an eye for an eye rather than striving for the tougher call to love our enemies, which is what God calls us to. Now, the Christian call to love everyone is tough. It takes work. It takes devotion and an open mind and, and a willingness to tolerate difference and the ability to withhold judgment because it's much harder to judge someone who you don't know. It's easy to hate a label. But in order to get beyond the label someone else is or wears or exhibits, we need to figure out how to see them as something other than their label. And once we see beyond those labels, what we see is on the other side of a label is a, is a human. And it's much easier to love a human. It's difficult to love a label because we see things transactionally. 
And when we see things transactionally, we think, well, if we do good once, we should get a little reward for it. If, if we make a stretch this time, someone else will stretch next time. And if we see ourselves as a kind and loving person all the time, it's okay when we ignore someone every once in a while. Because on balance, over time, we'll, we'll make up for it. This is how we've developed our default settings to work. And again, these settings are not tuned to love. They're tuned to balancing some sort of mythical equation. In the first episode of his Revisionist History podcast, Malcolm Gladwell tells the story of tokenism. And the feeling of self-assurance that comes when we do something good. And his lens for this study is female leaders of large countries. So he tells the story about how a country would elect a female leader, praise themselves for being open-minded and excited, and then after the leader's reign was over, they would re-entrench back to male leaders of the dominant race in their country. Australia is his biggest example. They had a female leader and then males for a long, 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 long time after that. And the logic behind it, his premise is that after we did something to change our default position, we reverted back even more strongly than we were before. Because we're trying to keep things on balance. And maybe you don't like to think about how that works in the context of, say, large countries, but how about when you go to the grocery store? A recent study of shopping habits revealed that those who shopped by themselves for their family and shopped, put, put more organic produce in their cart at the beginning of their shopping trip were much, much, much more likely to buy themselves a treat by the end. So you start with organic carrots and you end with dark chocolate. You see, we see the world transactionally. We did something good, so we'll get a reward. We parent this way. We lead people this way. We teach our schools this way, in our schools this way. It describes what happens at the grocery store, and it explains why we all crave a milkshake from cookout after we're done walking at the Gap, right? And my point in highlighting this and and Joe's story and the female leaders is that to say, when we see everything in our lives as transactional, we're more likely to be shaped by a dominant narrative that just allows us to love our friends and just rewards us for doing good, and allows an eye for an eye to continue to dominate and how we see the world. But Jesus is calling us to something else. Jesus calls us to something that is tougher. Jesus, though, calls us to embody this because it has the power to change the world. Jesus calls us to love everyone, especially those who we fear, especially our enemies, And this is a call beyond an eye for an eye. And what it takes is us to begin to love. 
Begin to love everyone as Jesus calls us to. All it takes is us to quit accusing others of being the problem. All it takes is for us to look with love to those in the world who are of, of, of difference from us, whether that be of, of a different place or a different race or a different political strike or a different ideology or a different religion or live on a different street or handle their yard a different way. We look at others who are different from us and don't see the difference, but we see, that's right, that's someone I'm called to love. Everyone who is outside of our circles and is different from us is not someone we're supposed to define ourselves against. It's someone we're called to love. Oh, and this is a tough call, without a doubt. I'm not standing here telling you it's going to be easy. I'm telling you it's what Jesus tells us to do. Back in the 4th century, Christianity had been endorsed by Constantine. And that put it on the political map as a, a group of people who were more than just a nuisance to the Jews. But not everyone liked the Christians. The emperor Julian, who reigned from 361 to 363, hated Christians. He wasn't a Christian, so I guess it was okay for him to do that. But despite his hate, he observed that their sentimentality, and the word he used was their agape, which we all know as love, their love to everyone caused their wretched wretched religion to spread so rapidly. The emperor who hated them said, the Christians love everyone so much that their religion is spreading. He didn't like Christians, but he recognized that they grew because they were not uniform in their ideology, not because they were the dominant force in society, not because they were endorsed by the political leaders, and not because they were zealous in their orthodoxy. The emperor who didn't like Christians recognized that the church grew because it loved. The church and the faith grew through love, not through preachers. It grows through love, not through drawing strict lines, but through love. It grows through love, and not just through loving those who we're supposed to love, but extending love beyond those who it is easy to love. And it's a tough call, but it's one that we all accepted when we walked through those waters and said, Jesus is Lord. And so we close today wondering, who drives us crazy that we need to love? Who would it be easier to hate and avoid than to love? Who do we need to open ourselves up to to love rather than close ourselves down upon because they frustrate us. Unfortunately, all around us are opportunities to love and to grow, not just to grow a church, but to grow the depth of your faith because of the call of God which calls us to love beyond the parameters of what is easy and what is expected. And when we walk through the waters of baptism and ask for forgiveness from our sins, and we're washed clean and made new, we said we would follow Jesus. And today, Jesus calls us to love. It is a tough call, but one I hope we can accept.
today. Will you pray with me? Holy God, we come to you asking for help because we cannot love as you have called us to love on our own. We need your help. We need your grace. We need your patience. We need your forgiveness and your strength and your courage. Oh Lord, we don't need to be naive or or blind. Oh, Oh Lord, we do not need to be silly or stupid, but we do need to be yours and we do need to have our open our eyes open to the ways that we are called to love as you call us to love. And so Lord today open our eyes a little bit. Help us to take a step. Lord, be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path even if that path is only one step further down today than it was yesterday. But Lord, help us to take the tough step. Help us to embody the tough call. Help us to follow you faithfully and to love as you call us to love. Lord, this is what you call us to today. Lead us and guide us as we seek to do that. It is in your name we pray these things. Amen.